So we are in this really, really great series that I was hoping would reframe our brain on how we view church. Because we all come from different backgrounds. We have folks sitting in the pews right here, in our seats right here, that uh, have been in church for pretty much their whole life. And they came here from another church and they'd gone there from another church and that's pretty much their whole life. And so you, you come to a church like this and it's a friendly environment and fun things are happening and God is working and the spirit is easy, easily moving amongst his people. And you think, well, that's really great. Let me be a part of that. But then what happens is we start thinking, well, that's not how we did it in my church or they need to be doing this over here. And I get that. Like we can't do what every church has ever done that you've ever been to. We'd just drive ourselves crazy if we tried to do that. We'd be like you. And if, 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 but then we also have folks in here who are like, this is all new. Like I've, you know, we have not really been a part of church and we where we're just brand new followers of Jesus and this is all good. And I'd like to know how to get connected. And I realize that we have people from different backgrounds and different life situations. And so what I would love to do is put us all on the same page here. And just kind of rethink church. And so we learned in the first service, the first series of uh, the first message in this series. Now, the whole idea of coming to a worship service is to love God together, is to focus on the Lord. It's not to get, it's not to get what we think we need out of a service. It's to get, matter of fact, just the opposite. We're supposed to be giving God what he deserves. Our admiration, our worship, that's what a worship service is. And it's amazing when we get our mind off of ourselves and we get it on our great God, how all of a sudden all of our problems don't seem as bad as they did when we first walked in here. And there is something synergetic, synergistic. I think I made that up. (laughs) That's why I don't know what the word is about getting people together who love God and doing, did you feel it? Like this is, there is something tangible when God's people get together and worship God together. And so we wanna do a really good worship service. We wanna get together and we wanna love God together. And that's what a church service is all about. Not coming in here and grading the sermon and and getting your little checkbox out and say, well, they didn't sing enough hymns this month and all of that stuff. Because it's not about you. It's about God. And it's amazing when we get our eyes and mind off of ourselves how much more we get out of an event like this when it's not about us, it's about him. And so that was, that was just the first week. And then the second week we talked about community groups and that is loving God together. So as a church, as Virginia Hills Church, what are we gonna focus on? We're gonna focus on just a few things. We're gonna focus on loving God together in a worship service. And we're going to focus on loving each other in community groups. And we had our signups last week, and boy, it went fantastic. Can I encourage you, if you have not been a part of a community group before, please jump in it. Okay, you can't want another without another, right? You need other people. So coming to church like this is great, but you need that connectivity with other people to be able to grow and mature and, and exercise your faith. So that was last week. And so this week, we're going to talk about intentional relationships. And this is how we do church outside of church, outside of community groups, as we build relationships with each other. I call them intentional relationship. We think that this is called loving your world. So you have loving God together. That's what we're doing this morning. You have loving each other. That's what you'll do this week in community groups. And then we have loving our world. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Let me, let me ask you, do a, do, a, do a brief informal survey. 
So how many of you came to Christ or started your spiritual journey because somebody knocked on your door and maybe presented the gospel to you? Okay. There was not one hand raised. How many of you came to Jesus or began your spiritual journey or came to church for the first time because of somebody within your sphere of influence, maybe your mama made you go or maybe your friend invited you, but you were, there was somebody that you were personally related to that began, ooh, you can put your hands down. That, I could stop preaching right now. I'm not going to, but <laughs> you were like, <laughs> I got nothing. The reason that is the case is because that's how God designed it. I'm not opposed to door to door. I'm not opposed to any means of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't, I mean, put your bumper stickers on your car. I'm not opposed to, to any of it, but I'm just telling you if we want to look at effectiveness, you just saw it. You just saw that the effective outreach of the beautiful good news of Jesus Christ is relational. It's people that we know. In John chapter one, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, you have this great little example of kind of what we're talking about here. In verses 40, 41, and 42 of John chapter one, it says this, one of the two who heard John speak. If you remember, John was the cousin of Jesus who was the one who was sent to go before Jesus to let everybody know that Jesus was coming. And so John is hearing, is, is preaching, and Andrew is hearing, and it says this, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him, you notice him is capitalized, so who are we talking about? Jesus, he's following Jesus, okay? So he, was, he heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. So here's what Andrew does, Simon Peter's brother. See the relationship? He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. That's an example of relational evangelism. That's intentional relationship. So this was Jesus' plan. He, he designed it. He modeled it for us. He taught it to us. Okay, let's see what Jesus did. So Jesus is going to call Matthew here, Right? So there's a tax collector, his name was Levi. And look at what it says. This is a little longer passage, Mark chapter two, verses 15 through 17. I just want you to know I'm not making all this up. It says, now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house. He was having a meal with him. That many tax collectors and sinners <laughs> also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with the tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But where was Jesus? He's in the house. Jesus was sitting eating with the folks who needed Jesus. 
All right. Just in case you still don't believe me. You ever heard about a little man in the Bible called Zacchaeus? All right. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Only you churchy people are going to know what that is. All right. I'm going to your house today. So Jesus goes to his house that day. And he's eating with Zacchaeus. And he, was, he had been a typical tax collector, charging more than he needed to, living off of the rest. He was hated by everybody. And Jesus comes and is invited to his house. And Jesus goes to his house to eat. How beautiful is this? And it says this in Luke chapter 19, verse 9. And Jesus said to him, that Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house. Because he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There's another story in, uh, in Mark chapter 5 of this demon-possessed individual that would go around and scream and cut himself. And there was, there was a multitude of demons living inside of him. And Jesus set him free of the demons. And, and it's, it's kind of an ironic story. So he sends, the, the demons ask to be, put in, you know, to be put into a herd of swine. So Jesus takes the demons out and puts them in a herd of swine. 2,000 swine go over a cliff and kill themselves. But the man is free and sitting in his right mind. And he goes to Jesus in the boat and he goes over to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to come with you. And here's what Jesus tells him in Mark chapter 5, verse 19. It says this, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you wish you had friends in your house? I love the people in my home. Yeah. One of them loves me. But I love, I love that, whole, that whole statement. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. You already have the relationship with them. Now just tell them this beautiful thing that has happened, this good news. Do you see the pattern here? Like these folks who are coming to Jesus. Jesus was in their house. They went home to their family. They told their brother. This is the pattern that God has set up. The word family or house is often in scripture a Greek word called oikos. O-I-K-O-S. And this word oikos is a really broad terminology. It can mean everything from the actual physical structure to your related family, to your household, or even to your extended relationships that feel like family. So here's how we're defining it. It is your extended family or intentional relationships. Your oikos is your most natural environment to talk about Jesus. Your oikos is your sphere of greatest influence. Your oikos is the people that God wants to use you to share his grace with. Your oikos is, is, the, is a microcosm of the world. It's your world that lives with you and in your sphere for whom God gave his son. Oikos is not a program or a plan. Here, here's what it is. It's, it's like putting on a new set of glasses. I was probably in sixth or seventh grade when I got my first set of glasses. 
I remember coming, remember Pearl Vision Center? That was the big deal back in the long time ago. That's when Doc Baker had to get off a stagecoach and grind them with a hasp, you know. <laughs> they cut off the bottom of a Coke bottle and just, and I had, I had, I remember walking out, I remember walking out of the Pearl Vision Center. Now, now please understand, this is like early 80s, okay? Blue tinted glasses. <laughs> there was a little strut, I'm sorry, I'm just like, Only blue tinted on the bottom, though. There. I was, made no sense, but it looked cool. I have the school picture to prove it. With the white cardigan. With the white cardigan and my blue tinted glasses. And my hair sticking up in the back like that. I was a cute boy. So I come walking out of the Pearl Vision Center. And I remember looking up and I'm going, Mama. I can see all the leaves on the trees. Do you remember? I mean, if you, if you wear corrective lenses of any kind, you know what that's like. Like, everything is so sharp and clear. So oikos is looking at the world that already exists around you through a new lens. These aren't just bothersome coworkers. These aren't just a lovely family. These are people whom God has placed in my life already that I need to leverage, if you will, that I need to see in a different way as, as my opportunity to share the good news. Jesus, in John chapter 4, goes out of his way to go through Samaria, which is where the outcasts live. They were the half-breeds. He said, he said, I must needs go through Samaria. And his disciples were like, what? why would you want to go through there? That's not just the other side of the tracks. That's like under the tracks. That's the people, they considered them dogs. The Jews considered the Samaritans dogs. Jesus said, I've got to go through there. So he goes through there. He sees a woman at the well in the middle of the day, which is not when most women would do it. So she was obviously not the kind of person who would be hanging around other Ladies, she was a, a woman of ill repute, and Jesus goes intentionally to talk to this lady, and she begins this conversation about the coming Messiah and where to worship, and we're talking about all this kind of stuff, and it finally dawns on her that this man could be the Messiah. And she knows enough about scripture to know that he knows what he's talking about, and if he is not it, he at least knows who is, but I think that this could be the one. So let's pick up the story here in verse 28. I want to see the new glasses that Jesus wants us to put on here. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, what men? If you read a little bit further up, it was she, she had, um, uh, had, had several relationships. And she was with somebody that wasn't her husband at the time, and so there were many men in the city who knew who she was. And so she goes to the men, and here's what she says. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. This is, this is so exciting. So she, we don't even know if she's a believer yet. Like she said, I think this might be him. So she goes to her sphere of influence. She goes to the people who were already in her life 
And she said, I, I think I met somebody who might be the Christ. And so they all come running out to where the well is to come and see Jesus. So in verse 35, so then the disciples come and say, what are you doing here, Jesus? Have you had anything to eat yet? We can get you something to eat. And there's this whole conversation. And then he picks us up in verse 35, and he's talking to his disciples here. He says this, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, open your eyes, and look at the fields. Who's coming to Jesus? All of the men of the city, right? So all the men of the city are following this lady to the well where Jesus is. And he looks at his disciples and says, see those folks that are coming? The field is white unto harvest. I don't know what they wore back then, but if they had the turbans on their head, let's just pretend, because it's going to make for a great word picture, that they all had white turbans on their head. And they're running up to Jesus, and their heads are bobbing it up and down. He goes, you see the fields? They're white already unto harvest. What he's saying is put a new set of glasses on. These are the people that we're here for. This is the field that we're supposed to be working in to get people to Jesus. This is your family. These are your friends. These are your fellow students that go to school with you every day. These are, these are your coworkers that you see. That's your world. Those are the folks who are already in your world that Jesus wants you to see. Tom Rainer is a uh, uh, statistician. He writes some incredible books uh, for the kingdom of God. And he is a, uh, he's a surveyor. So he does, he does all of these surveys and, and he, is a, um, he is a well-known authority on where we are with the unchurched in America right now and globally and, and, and how we can be more effective. And he came up with some, he, it's part of a book that I read and it's, and it's uh, 10 startling facts about the unchurched. I just pulled a few of these statistics out for you because if you're like me, these speak volumes. It says this, first of all, that 20%, actually less than 20% of Americans attend church regularly. Now, you understand when he says church, he means like any kind of church. So less than 20% of Americans attend church regularly. Then he says this. He said 96% of non-attenders would attend if invited. Are you kidding me? 96% of the people who do not attend church say they would attend if they were invited. Two percent of Christians ever ask. Yeah, I would say we're higher than average, but let's just say we're double that. Let's say we're ten times that amount. Ninety-six percent of non-attenders said they would attend church if somebody asked them, but only two percent of the believers are asking anybody to come to church with them. And then here's a startling fact. We saw this earlier when I had you raise your hand. 95% of Christians came to faith through the influence of someone in their oikos. Now, if I could sell you a golf ball that would lower your score by 95%, you'd buy it. I would, 
I would buy stock in the company. If I had a cure for cancer that had a 95% success rate, you could charge anything you wanted. 95% of Christians came to Christ because of somebody they knew. You say, I'm just not gifted in that area, Eric. I just, I wouldn't know what to say. We're talking about inviting somebody into your life. We're talking about saying, come to church. We're talking about just starting the conversation. I'm not asking you to exegete scripture or discuss theology. Andrew said, come and see. The Samaritan woman wasn't even a believer yet. Come and see this guy that I think might be Jesus. He might be the Christ. I don't have that gift, Eric. Listen, we all have the gift of relationship. Do you hear me? We all have the gift of relationship. God has given each one of us, I believe, about eight to 15 people who he has strategically placed in our relational world. This is our oikos. This is our extended family. This is the world that God wants to change. Here's here's the truth. We need to keep our focus in this life on what we won't be able to do in the next. Rick Warren said it this way, God's kept us here on earth to fulfill a purpose we cannot do better in heaven. We're not only here to train you in your own personal spiritual growth. That's part of why we're here. But we're also here to partner with you in your personal ministry. And that's what this is. This is the new set of glasses that we need to put on and realize the fact that the folks who are in our world are people that need Jesus. So I've broken it down this way, five simple steps. And there's a, uh, my friend William gave me a book <laughs> like a year ago uh, called 8 to 15. And this is what it all talks about. It's, and so much of this information came uh, from, from that book. And it, it has been eating away at me. And uh, it, it is one of those things that I feel has to be a part of the DNA of who we are as a church. So in your, um, in your bulletin is a, is a card that we printed for you. And it has 15 lines on it. And we're wanting you sometime today, tomorrow, this week, soon, to use that card as a tool to identify your oikos. So here are five simple steps to reaching the world that God has already given you. First thing is make a list. Make a list. So um, here's, here's a, what your card looks like here. And um, one thing I want to point out, so, so who goes on the list? In the upper right-hand corner here, you can see that there are friends and family and neighbors and coworkers and classmates and other people. So as you're thinking through your mind, who is it that I am running into all the time? Like who is in my relational world? You may only have eight. You might have 15. You may need a second card. We got extras if you need them. The idea is to 
force you to think. Now, listen, you're not trying to choose people. You're just identifying the ones that God has already put in your life. Make a list. So we, have, we, we, we gave you 15 spaces, but you don't have to fill them all up. This is between you and God. Who's in there? Who it is that he's brought into your life? An old Irish recipe for rabbit stew. The first step in the recipe says, first, catch the rabbit. That's kind of where we are, right? We got to make a list. We got to identify who it is. It takes intentionality. And here's the truth. The longer you have been a follower of Jesus, the more intentional you have to be. Your hairdresser is more than someone who fixes your hair. Your server is, somebody, is more than somebody who brings you a refill. Your neighbor is more than someone who borrows your stuff <laughs> or you borrow their stuff. I'm not sure which it is. But recognize who is in your world. Everyone is there for a reason. You're making a list. You're not choosing. You're just identifying who is already in your life. So make a list. And then at the bottom of the card, we have a few more steps here, and we're going to go over them quickly here. Pray every day by name. I'm trying to keep this short. Pray every day by name. Pray every day for the people on your list. They are your world. So here's the beauty. That becomes your prayer list. So keep this handy. These are the folks that I am praying over on a daily basis. Prayer is a superpower. Because not only can God be working in their life, but God is changing you. Do you see? How, it's like putting on your glasses every day. It's like you can walk out of here and be like, wow, I see things differently now. But praying every day not only moves the heart of God, but it also moves your heart. It also changes how you see your world. Melissa and I um, occasionally go to the Olive Garden and we always ask for Brandy. She is a, she is a great waitress and she just is super friendly and, and, and she lived in West Virginia and we're just talking to her one day and I just, I, 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 she walked away from the table and I'm like, I told Melissa, I said, I'm gonna, I want her to come to my church. I want her to come to our church. So she came and she goes, I do too. Because she says things to make me feel better. <laughs> and so she comes back and said, Brandy, where do you live? She goes, Front Royal. I said, I thought you lived in West Virginia. She goes, no, we moved to Front Royal a couple weeks ago. I said, you got a home church you go to? She goes, no. Will you come to my church? Sure. How hard was that? Melissa goes, can I friend you on Facebook? <laughs> sure. So here we are, friending her on Facebook. Oh! Is that your baby girl? Oh, it's so good. And I'm out of the conversation just like that. <laughs> Pass me the Parmesan cheese. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> she came to church the next weekend. Like, that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's, and if she had said, no, it's fine. It's the, the idea is, as we're praying for them, as we start seeing them differently, we pray for their needs. We pray for an opportunity to share with them. And we just begin to see our world differently. 
This is our ministry. This is who God has made us to be. We all have the gift of relationship. Pray every day for them so that you can have an opportunity to share with them, which is, which is point number three, invest appropriately. Now, I was very careful about the wording here. Sharing not just the gospel, but sharing your life, sharing your stuff, inviting them in, being generous in a supernatural way. Look for appropriate ways to invest into that relationship by being an instrument of grace in their life. Do they have any needs that maybe you have the opportunity to fill? Do they have any burdens that they could use some prayer about? Do they need help with something? Do they want to just have a conversation? Do they need some of your time? That's what we're talking about. Invest appropriately. And then fourthly, invite regularly. And I don't mean like every time you see them. So, yeah, your oikos is going to get smaller. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I got, I've created a monster. But the idea is they need to know that if they ever have a question, they can come to you about it. They need to know if they ever need God in their life, they know who to ask. Because of the conversations that you have had, if God opens a door of opportunity for you to invite them to church, to invite them to your community group, we're having a chili cook-off in a couple of weeks. Let me tell you, the whole reason for the chili cook-off is not so that we can all have great chili or listen to great music. The purpose of the chili cook-off is to invite people to join us and give them an opportunity to hang around your friends, at least pretend for the night that they're your friends. I'm just saying, like, that's the reason we have the chili cook-off, is so that we can invite our friends and our, our oikos to come and join us. You never know when it'll finally dawn on them that they need Jesus. And they may not come the first time you ask, but they might come the next time you ask. They just need to know that when the Lord draws them, they have a friend and an open invitation. So make a list. Once you've got your list made, then pray for them every day. Look for opportunities to invest in them appropriately. Invite them to something and then prepare yourself to be a better example of faith and grace and love in their life. We all have a story to tell. We all have... We all have found ourselves in this journey of faith. And your oikos gives a greater purpose to your faith, listen to me, than just knowing more Bible. When you begin to see the world that God has given you, your Christian walk, your Christian journey becomes more than just increasing in knowledge or maturing yourself in Jesus. When you can put the glasses of oikos on and you're like, Look at the people God has brought into my life. This is why I'm here. I'm not here just to memorize more scripture. That's great. Do that. I'm not here just to mature in my faith. I'm here to reach people. These relationships are intentional. 
We're called to live a life that brings people to Jesus Christ. Don't underestimate yourself. Don't underestimate your world. Don't underestimate today. So don't put this off until tomorrow. Be like, all right, pray about it. God, I'm going to make a list. Who needs to be on this list? And put names on that list and do that because these are the folks who are your oikos. Listen, life is short. Eternity is long. This has to be more important to us. We can't change the whole world, but we can change our world. Wherever that is, whoever that, whoever that is. This is church. This is church, not just corporate worship like this. Not just the community group that you're a part of, but your oikos. The relationships that are already in your life that God intends to reach with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful way to look at life. What a beautiful way to rethink church. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we are humbled that you would choose to trust the gospel to us. And thank you that the Holy Spirit works in and through us and in the lives of people and help us to make a list. Help us to pray. God, I'm grateful for whoever the coworker was that invited my dad to go to a, a meeting that I heard about and attended and found Jesus. Thank you for him. And thank you for the people that have been affected because he asked my dad to go to a meeting. And I pray, Father, that we would not hoard the gospel. That we'd be freely giving it. And we'd live a life that would honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.